go. You are listening to Once Upon a Stream, a Disney Plus podcast. I'm Maddie Shook. And I'm Megan Mann. And this week we are talking about Lady and the Tramp. So good. It it was so good, y'all, that Disney Plus launched this past week. A little turbulence here and there, but on our systems it worked out all good. And of the plethora of original content that came out... There's a lot that we will be talking about soon, but one of the exclusive two Disney Plus releases was Lady and the Tramp, the new live action remake, um, as far as kind of remaking the classic 1955 film. And so we both watched it. We both loved it. We did. We'll get into that. And so Megan, did you watch the original as a kid or? I did when I was, I don't recall being particularly obsessed with it in the way I was obsessed with some of the other ones um but I did watch it and I I feel like I'm like 72% sure that I own it on DVD now (laughs) um and I remember liking it um I like anything involving animals singing I don't know why that definitely as far as I think this was a really smart choice as far as of their classics to adapt to put on the streaming services it does kind of rank in that where it's not as like universally in like the top few like a cinderella or something but right that it's not completely obscure either that that way as far as there's still a wide range of people that have some level of like nostalgia and warm feelings attached to it and so they i remember in particular my like the first time i watched it as a kid my church actually did like a movies under the stars type thing and so we all like had like an out outside picnic like kind of almost drive-in type setup and so i remember that experience of watching it the first time then a handful over the years and revisited it as an adult now um this past week when it came out and so it is some of the most gorgeous animation that sometimes you forget of just like the insane amount of detail and also now seeing it in like modern era's level of hd of just how like the artistry in each little like detail and background of how it looks and everything that literally every frame is a piece of art it really is beautiful it's stunning and the dogs are so expressively animated and like tell so much but are still adorable because man dogs are great they're the best they just are we will have a few times where we just break down and are just like dogs y'all i mean really go cuddle a dog i if you don't have one find one i know i watched this the 2019 version with my dog and I was so emotional. And I just kept hugging him saying, I would never give you away, you know? <laughs> it was really tragic. It was really tragic. But I remember you texting me of like, I am sobbing. <laughs> I was like, I'm not stable enough to be watching this with my dog. I mean, if I ever went away, asked someone to dog sit, and they thought it was in my best interest to get rid of my dog, I would lose my marbles. It's, it's not in my best interest forever. Ever, ever, ever to get rid of my dog. Nope. That's not going to work. Mm-mm. And so, so let's go ahead. Uh, well, before we get into the new one, as far as revisiting it, yes, the animation is absolutely gorgeous. Oh, yeah. The story is timeless. It's just sweet and endearing. And, like, the lead characters and uh, as far as, like, some of the sidekicks as well like jock and trusty that are are just precious and part of like that classic cinema but yikes like i was watching it and i was like oh my gosh i forgot that this is basically gorgeous like turn of the century landscapes adorable animals and then a bunch of really cringy like ethnic stereotypes yeah like a lot a lot and so it's very interesting as far as with some of the new releases on disney plus basically of it stating that it says in the synopsis there may be outdated cultural depictions (laughs) and by maybe 
there are that it's to the point of like you kind of forget like as far as 1955 the release date on that that's a time when like folks were so racist that they were also racist to other kinds of white people because obviously and we will get there the siamese cats that's the notorious Uh, one yeah but then there was like when they were at the zoo there was the police officer that was oh like the biggest irish character caricature that's one of the words i have the hardest time saying that (laughs) i've ever seen of like you're like oof oof okay that fortunately yeah. it's a short little bit and then as far as even though bella note is a lovely song and i i still adore it and it and is a classic in terms of the grander soundtrack to disney in general yeah. because when you think of lady yeah. and the tramp you automatically think of that song and that scene that song and the disney weddings version of it is still on, on my phone to this day support that but but as far as they're like this super like cartoonish character of like Italian people and but the one as far as that everyone is kind of knows about and cringes a little bit is with the Siamese cat song that first off as far as it's kind of an open secret as far as that like cats in Disney movies were always kind of portrayed as like villains so then also tying like the villain role of like I mean I the think negative connotations are- with that to then a very obvious like cartoonish depiction of Asian people and tying that together as far as the look of the animation is very much within that time period and then obviously that as far as the Siamese cat song itself and the fake accents that are applied during that which I think was really good on them for cutting that out of the new one just cut it out yeah there's there's no way you can redo it that like isn't super offensive <laughs> it's there's no way around it there it's yeah. not it's not and um I know the director commented about that and said that they have a responsibility to do something very new and very different in that scene and um but still get the plot point right i mean and it is still two siamese cats that are in that scene um and just so we're clear i fully believe that aunt sarah would have cats okay she's the kind of woman that would have cats that's all I'm going to say on that. Cat. But, um, I just, I, I'm so allergic to cats that I can't like them. So, um, so I'm glad that they took that super offensive song out and it changed it for what a shame. And still absurd that it is only very recently that Disney realized that like that song was bad and we should shy away from it because even I'm remembering in my childhood of like late elementary school early middle school it was covered by Hillary and Haley Duff on one of the Disney Mania albums. Oh my god no way I had no idea I need to look that up so fast. That exists that oh, it's that's available to find on YouTube. That's a choice. That that's that's a thing that exists i would say circle like 2005 or something like that so wow in the scheme of things not that long ago oh that's still like 15 ish years ago but still yeah not that long ago of like realizing hey this song isn't great and so that's where as far as this will be for a new generation and actually the what a shame song is fun it's like jazzy and oh yeah it's um by has good energy to it yeah it's by nate wonder and roman i want to say it's g and arthur i want to say that's his last name um and now that i'm thinking about it they're not even siamese cats in the new one they're just general cats they even took out that factor of it that they're not even siamese cats they're just cats they're just kind of your like gray striped cats run-of-the-mill big-eyed cats big ears no digital fur technology used on these but 
just brief sidebar as far as cats is going to be just one of the oh god it's going to be year. so awful oh i can't even hide it's the fact <laughs> i feel like that's going to be one of those musicals that gets adapted that it might do well might do well in opening weekend just because people are curious and then it's just going to plummet in sales so fast because that plummet from i mean it looks like a complete disaster to me it's worth a five dollar movie tuesday to see it in theaters and see oh only what's only i would never in my life consider spending more than five dollars on that absolute train wreck but speaking of as far as of like the cgi of it all that with some of like the cgi and the animals that this isn't the first like quote-unquote live action remake that disney has done with with animals in recent recent years and what's actually different is as far as compared to lion king and jungle book which were basically nearly completely all cgi right that nine 99 percent basically that other than basically he's actually basically mowgli mowgli in the jungle book and then like the literal first shot of the lion king yeah but with this that they did use as far as actual dogs for it which i think greatly helped with the film and i cannot recommend enough go to the disney plus instagram and the recent event adventures as far as rose and monty who are the dogs that portrayed lady and the tramp in the film they've gone to disneyland together and they've done a bunch of other fun activities recently. i mean and that just sells they're it just, to you you they're precious that it just sells it them. you're like oh my god they're so cute in real life and they're obviously friends and they're in love and so they're in love in the movie i don't know i get really emotional over dogs can you tell just just a smidge yeah, just a little <laughs> but as far as it gave it a lot more realism to it that makes it a lot more watchable that you didn't have any of like the uncanny valley weirdness to it yeah i agree i agree totally because like there's still a little bit of cgi as far as what i appreciate they tweaked it a little bit where the dogs are inherently more expressive than like a lion or something like that but that still you need a little bit of cgi help to kind of make sure some of like the character motion and everything is coming across and so that mouths open a little bit more expressively and a bit more in a humanoid kind of way and but really the eyes of, as far as like a, of a real actual dog sell it and so Ugh. those just have that like life and emotion and you just you fell in love with the characters by having actual real dogs that i still don't think as good as the technical exercise as far as of computer graphics that lion king was you you still can't pull that off in computer graphics yet no no that's like um i'll watch my boyfriend playing video games and i'm like man they're so close but i'm still not sold but this like that's how i felt with like the jungle book or the lion king where i'm like you got me but not enough like some of the nature stuff is was perfection and pristine in both of those movies oh yeah when you get when you get to like the actual living breathing characters it gets a little bit more dicey it it gets more dicey that you just don't have that like soul to it right i agree i agree but with this i think with using real dogs i think you were that much more emotionally invested in it you know and i will say too as far as like the intentionality of the movie as well that not to besmirch the name of john favreau although he's doing fine he's doing just fine (laughs) he's doing just fine (laughs) that i feel the lion king was more as far as checking off a spreadsheet and then john got to kind of play around with like play in the sandbox with some special effects and kind of test things out right for future stuff and that also it was a decent paycheck on that Uh, but where i feel that's where it was more of like an 
exercise in as far as like technical achievement on like that of like the people behind the film and then for disney it was just cashing in on that sweet sweet nostalgia yeah but that it didn't have as much heart at its core and that's why it just it didn't ring true for most audiences whereas with the lady and the tramp and we're gonna pretty soon kind of break things down into detail but i really think the people behind it did like come with like a purpose of like the story they wanted to tell and how the how to bring that into the future and also just like the heart they like there's there's heart and soul in it yeah and that's obviously proves that they did not talk to john favreau because uh, that heart wasn't there in lion king or jungle book so there's that they didn't they didn't take his take his road and i'm glad for that And, like, as far as we can get into at at some point, like, the breakdown of, you know, the live-action remake is now a trend and all that. Which I'm not the biggest fan of all the time. That this makes me more optimistic as far as it's it's very much a hit-or-miss thing. I agree. I agree. It's definitely a hit-or-miss thing. Because Cinderella... I adore. It's perfection. I remember sitting in the theater. That was the very first movie in a theater that the little girl I take care of had ever seen in a movie theater. And we loved it. And we had such a good time. And when it came out on DVD, I think we watched it every day for like months. And I loved it. I thought it was so special. And I thought it was so sweet. And so perfectly cast. And the colors in that movie... The visuals. I mean, anything like, Kate Blanchett came out in, you were just like, uh, uh, how? Getting to see those costumes at D23 was, it took my breath away. Oh, I'm sure of it. And as far as Beauty and the Beast that had some really great parts and then some uneven parts too, but as far as it was basically like restaging the production of it basically right. in a in a real setting which i love the stage but production i do i my Do-ly. parents took me to see that when i was really little and i was like this is great and the josh groban song in that movie the josh groban song is excellent. it's amazing yes. that there's some singing performances that are debatable oh, but yeah. Yeah. um yeah we'll say that that's a good euphemism (laughs) and then you get as far as more in like the past year so that's where things got a bit rocky and so making me a lot more skeptical about some of these and i felt like they're just taking like you said they're taking that hit of nostalgia and pushing it so hard in the hopes that that is what's going to make this live action a success and that's not always the case like i um was not the biggest fan even when it was announced i think it just from the off i'm just not impressed by the fact that we have a live action aladdin i just i don't know i thought that movie was perfect and i didn't really think that it needed an adaptation Though I absolutely loved, and I mean, obviously we've established that I'm not emotionally stable, so I fully cried when um, I saw the Broadway production of Aladdin, and a whole they did A Whole New World, and I'm almost 100% certain that that was a real flying carpet, because there were no wires, there was nothing that that thing was going on, it's a real magic carpet, Broadway magic, that's all I'm saying. So, I fully cried during the Aladdin live uh, Broadway show but for whatever reason the movie just didn't sway me I didn't like it I don't like that it was even happening to begin with and I like I've seen the trailer for the new Mulan and I think I'm going to remain skeptical of that until I see it that one at least it it has a distinct point of view and purpose for it that 
that has me cautiously optimistic for it. And like when you look at basically on the business side of Hollywood, it's you understand why these are happening and because because of previous censorship laws and all of that, the Chinese market doesn't have that big of a connection to the properties from the Disney Renaissance. And so basically these are a way to reintroduce those properties to said market and get them all hyped up on some of the best known properties in the Disney catalog. But while then also scoring off of the domestic markets yearning for nostalgia and all of that. But there still has to be heart and artistry and intention into each project to make it good and i i think make it necessary and i think john favreau had good intentions with the jungle book and um with uh the lion king and don't get me wrong don't get me wrong bill murray as blue was a revelation it was a role he was born to play well, jungle book that the- I think Jungle Book works infinitely more than Lion King because the original story was so light that it had a lot to add to. And as far as an update for that made a bit more sense. Because like the original, while it's it's a Disney classic, it's slow at parts and kind of repetitive and episodic. And so there were ways to update and make it more cinematic. Which I think the 2016 version of And I mean, listen, anything involving Idris Elba being intimidating, I'm here for. I'm here for him as Shere Khan. Okay? I am. But, uh, I don't know. I think he was of the mind, again, take that bit of nostalgia, make it work, and if that's what's gonna sell, that's what's gonna sell. But I feel like and even, you know, even kids that didn't grow up with The Lion King weren't that impressed with it. Um, you know, they were like, okay, that was cool, but I think the I think the animated one had a bit more to it that was better. You know? Yeah. So even kids are saying, eh, okay. But even, like, even again, I don't know why that one didn't I don't know. It's like the same thing how I felt about Aladdin when it was announced that they were making a live-action Lion King. I thought, well, that's um, a choice. <laughs> that's, that's a choice because it doesn't feel like... It just felt like one of those movies that you shouldn't touch. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's one thing to take the princess movies and make them into live-actions. Like, I mean, I thought the two Maleficent movies were stunning. Like, so gorgeous, so well written, so well acted. I thought they were amazing. I loved Cinderella. Um, I still love Beauty and the Beast, even if it wasn't, like, great all the way through. I still really loved it. But for for whatever reason, some of them, I hear live-action remake, and I think, for what? I mean, I don't see the need, but like I said with Aladdin, I cried during that musical when I saw that live. Even though it was different, and Aladdin was different too. They both added new songs. Um, there's a bit in The Lion King that has a really weird, like, techno thing with the hyenas that threw me a little bit, and I was like, um, no, but... Don't mess with Hans and uh, score. But, yeah, I mean, I just don't... I don't know. I just felt like some of them... Why? Why are we making this choice? that we're making here and then it makes you nervous because you think well what are they going to ruin next well Little Mermaid is coming (laughs) which I'm and we can bring it right back around to this too which I'm super excited about because but also how do you animate fish and make believable it, so i hope they learn their lesson from the lion king and they don't go photorealistic because fish aren't cute no. no one wants to look at fish for 90 minutes and then it makes you nervous like she's gonna be from waist up she's gonna look great 
because she's a real human from the waist up. But then is it going to look really cartoony from the waist down with her tail? Well, we've at least seen like... Or are they going to do... It'll at least be to Once Upon a Time Oh, levels. God, please. No. God, I've blocked <laughs> that out of my brain. Poor poor Joanna Fisher. Or Sw- is it Fisher? Joanna Fisher, right? Or is it Swisher? Swisher. I think it's Swisher. You know what? Her. <laughs> Garcia's maiden yeah. name, but mainly I just call her Cheyenne. I mean, that's what I think of her but as. That's what I think of her as. That was... Swisher. There we go. Thank you, Google. That was rough. (laughs) They did her, interestingly, on uh, Once Upon a Time. I'll say interestingly. That was a thing that happened. But anywho, so that's kind of where the... Kind of our stance on the whole live-action remake thing kind of falls down to... And in regards to that, Lady and the Tramp in the hit or miss range that I would say is much more, to me, second to only Cinderella. So it's my second favorite of the remakes done in recent years. I thought it was really great. I thought it was beautiful. I thought the dogs were just to die for. I thought this cast, this cast, this this cast, first of all. We've got Tessa Thompson as Lady. And she brings so much sass and, like, her own little, like, sense of swagger to it. And that, basically, Lady in the original is very much this wide-eyed ingenue who knows literally nothing about the world and has to have Tramp kind of teach her everything. But with this, it's more of, like, I don't know things, but mainly that's because I'm just so self-assured and because I'm just assured in my awesomeness because I'm Tessa Thompson as a Spaniel, which are two of the greatest things ever. So, they, it, it just, it worked. It did. I thought she was so fantastic. And she literally, she did have that confidence. Like, one of my favorite parts is uh, very early on in the movie where she is is talking to Jock and Trusty. Yes, and she tells them, um, because this is right after she talks to Tramp, and she he says, the baby moves in, the dog moves out, and she's talking to them about... It's like, that's not going to happen. And she, she's, talking, Can a baby? she's talking to them about it, the two neighbor dogs, and she's like, um, does a baby give their lives meaning? I don't think so. She's like, not like me. <laughs> A sense of meaning and a reason to get up in the morning? I don't think so. And then there's an awkward pause. And I'm like, that pause is the debate between dog people and then people who say you should think about having kids. I I thought she was just... I just thought she was so great. And I thought that all of her little one-liners... She knows she's fabulous. Exactly. She's like, um, hello. No one's walking me and I'm getting upset. That I haven't gotten any belly rubs. Today. Oh my god, that part this was an so injustice. funny. She's like, she hardly rubs my belly anymore. What is what is going on? And I thought Justin Thoreau as Tramp was such a good choice. I thought he was because Justin Thoreau has played so many different roles, like. Oh, what is it? It's in... He plays like that complete psycho in Charlie's Angels with Drew Barrymore, um, which I enjoyed. And then, you know... So he's like very... Like, it's one of those where the regular audience isn't going to know the name right off the bat, no. but if you show the face, then you would just know from various comedies as that yeah. guy. And so that... He brought, like, a good sense of, like, the charm and swagger, but not too smarmy, and so it made him likable, and I like that, basically, the introduction to Tramp was just shy of, like, doing a reprise of one jump ahead of just make, basically, like, Tramp's Aladdin, of, like, 
here he is like stealing his breakfast and then just to show you how good of a guy he gives it in this to case, the puppies a good dog he is here he is giving it to the kids oh. like in a total save the cat oh movie, i love that so much and i thought that but it was so and sweet. i thought in that when he's telling lady because he he spends this whole time you know showing his you know his swagger and his blase I don't care kind of attitude whatever and then they're talking and he's like you know you're you're such a home a home a family dog and she's like and you're not and you you don't understand what it means that I lost my family like have my yeah and he's like yes I do and she realizes oh no you do know what it feels like and then they go into like his whole story about how again his family had a baby baby moves in dog moves out and it was so traumatic they literally the dog owner just drove him it was to the middle of like the city threw a ball and was like adios and drove off like threw the ball ran into the car and drove away and he how was like, awful was that I would horrifying. feel like Tramp too. I'd be like, oh my god, they just left well, me. Well, forget people. They just left me and he just drove off like it was nothing. It was so it sad. It was so sad. When he's telling that story, he just has so much emotion and ugh. I thought it was... This is your second reminder in the podcast. If you have a dog, cuddle your dog. If you don't have a dog, find one and give it lovies because dogs are the best and we don't. We don't. I literally cannot describe how often the last two days I have hugged my dog and like smothered him in kisses and said I would never leave him and how much I love him. I'm like, my dog probably thinks I'm crazy. I mean, he probably already thinks that for various other reasons, but he probably thinks I'm nuts because I'm like, oh my god, I would never leave you. Don't leave me ever. Never. Never, never. never. That's really what I've been doing. Oh, God, it's so sad. Okay, let's keep talking about... But, like, both of them, like, they have really great chemistry together. Like, it's really good repartee. And you, like, you instantly love their dynamic. And it just, it makes the whole movie work. It's what it all rests upon. And then to kind of even support that then all of like the side characters of them are just oh my perfection. god sam elliott as trusty the bloodhound oh my god okay i that is inspired casting if i mean let's one. be real probably one of the best suited roles for him i'm that's all i'm saying that's all i'm saying i think sam elliott is i could talk about my love for sam elliott for forever like i think he's so fantastic and that's not just because he was in my second favorite show of all time justified but it's because i think i don't know what it is about like that that voice of his like it's the voice it's the whole thing when i found out he was going to be in a star is born i lost my marbles i was so excited and he just because he said that there wasn't that because they kept calling him old reliable and then he old and he just kept saying no i'm just old and i was like oh my god no you're not you're sam elliott and then and this one as far as jock is jocelyn and so she's a girl this time around ashley jensen and a scottish actress scottish terrier had to be a scottish actress that was inspired it was at first i was wondering if it was kelly mcdonald but then it was like there is more than one Scottish there, you know what yeah there is. Yeah. <laughs> and so that she was lovely and just so much fun and then darling and jim deer that are who are just kind of like table dressing in the original that um Kiersey Clements and I believe it's Thomas Mann is Oh my god. Jim Deere. Oh my god. Before we Precious. even talk about those two though, let's talk about the other two dogs. Oh my god. I just I loved it so much about um Peg and Bull. 
Yes. Which, <laughs> every time Bull, like the scene where um, at the towards the end where Tramp realizes he messed up with Lady and he went to go fix it, Bull's just like, "What's happening? What am I missing? What's going on?" And it took me forever to realize that was Benedict Wong. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought he was fantastic. He was so good in that, as far as kind of played up a different British dialect. And so um, most people would know him as Wong from the Doctor Strange and various Mm -hmm. Avenger movies. But, like, he was super good. And then Janelle... Mo okay, listen. I am ridiculously obsessed with Janelle Monet. I think Dirty Computer is one of the best albums I've ever heard. I think she is magnificent. I think she is one of those very few singers who can cross over. Because there are plenty of singers who try to act. And it's just, you know, it's not great. I'm not going to lie. It's not great. Um, it shouldn't happen. But, you know, here we are. Just like some actors, Lindsay Lohan shouldn't sing. I mean, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Sometimes the crossover doesn't work. But Janelle Monet, I think, is absolute perfection as an actress. Her in Hidden Figures. Ugh. Chef's kiss. She's fabulous. So amazing. And so I loved her. Loved, loved, loved her in this movie. And she was another one who... She sang He's a Tramp. Another truly classic Disney. Exactly. And also another song. Disney song near and dear to my heart because the amount of Disney songs that are in an alto vocalist range are slim to none. Yeah. So I am protective over He's a Tramp because it's actually low. Right. And that's another one. Those lyrics got changed too. And they, as far as I still adore, as far as the original one, that they kind of changed it just to fit better thematically with the story that they were telling in this. And then also as far as when you break down the original, it's basically like, he's the worst, but you know, if he called me, I wouldn't be mad. Happen. <laughs> Which the struggle is real, yeah. but they kept they kept but that's not the uplifting message that we should be sending to the right. generation and, and so, they kept a lot of it but anything that was like problematic of they were similar, like but it's gotta it's gotta go and so they updated it as far as with like the exact circumstances as far as it's still kind of peggy warning lady about like he's a tramp he's a chimps. loner and uh probably not going to change so keep that in mind. Yeah, exactly. He's not going to be there for you and if you wanted him to, you know. It's a lot. It's the same idea. Basically, like, he's a tramp, loner, not going to be there for you. Don't expect him to be. But in a uh, much less, but I'd still love it if he called kind of way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which I... It's more of a call-out song. Yeah, which I enjoyed. I'm glad they <laughs> they changed that. Um, Peggy's putting him on But I loved that scene because it literally... <laughs> there's the boat... They show the boat coming back. When they add the lighting from the yeah, boat. Yeah, and they, so they've got all the lighting from the boat. They've got the music coming from the boat. And then there's this little area in the pound where she's singing it that just looks like a stage. It somehow just looks like a stage in the back of the pound. And she's singing and she's her fur like hangs just so perfectly. It's like a side swooped bang. She basically has a swoopy bang. (laughs) And it's just so perfectly positioned. And that it's so it's very um I don't wanna say alluring because it's a dog, but it's very just so, I'll say. And so it's it's got the look of a lounge singer. She's sassy. It's got the look of a lounge singer, but, you know, on like a dog, which is... Yeah. On like a mall Yeah, it's, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. And I just... Ugh. No one else could have sung that song in the movie. Absolutely no one. Absolutely no one. And I just thought it was 
I mean just perfection. And then we've got Yvette Nicole Brown. As Aunt Sarah. Who I love dearly. And like the update on it as for is. Because it was always in like the first one of like that it's literally a brand new baby. And then they like immediately go on a trip and leave the baby baby. And so in the original. So this time Aunt Sarah's just dog sitting lady while they take the baby to meet jim deer's sister which i was like that makes so much more sense but aunt sarah's kind of like this stuffy cat person and that basically doesn't approve of jim deer and darling's relationship anyway and so it's just kind of that relative that no one likes but we need someone to take care of the dog (laughs) right we go and i i love for those who are fans of community that there are a few moments when she gets into like Shirley Bennett voice and with like the higher pitch that just made my heart happy. I thought she was just so perfect even though she was hating on the dogs. And so she made the cast and then as far as Jim Taran Darling that really helped kind of they're like the second half of like the heart of the film that obviously it's still lady in the tramp story but this time they have a bit of a bigger role and that you get to see like their dynamic and as far as their connection with lady and how they like truly love and care for their dog and also as far as with the casting of Kiersey Clemens and Thomas Mann that as far as especially in terms of in live action this is one of Disney's first and that as well. And is as far so as important. Screen. It's huge. That's I huge. mean, like we were talking about the Little Mermaid live action remake earlier. I, when they announced for the five minutes that it was a thing that Harry Styles had been cast as Prince Eric, first thought after, oh my God, this is all of my dreams coming true because Prince Eric is my favorite Disney prince and I'm obsessed with Harry Styles. This is every dream I could ever imagine coming true. This is this is perfect my second thought was oh my god thank god he was cast because that gives us a disney princess in an interracial couple and it bothers me that it's taken them until 2019 to have one but i'm so glad they finally have one because it's unrealistic for all the Disney couples to be of the same race. It's just wildly unrealistic. You know, I think that... I don't want to say they have to normalize it because there's nothing abnormal about it. I think it's more in terms of representation of interracial couples because interracial couples is the norm now. I mean, it's it's totally acceptable to be with someone outside of your race it's antiquated to think that that's not okay you know so it's i don't know i think it's something that's important and i think it's something that is necessary for someone like disney to show because disney is one of the largest production companies in the world and it's something that they need to be on board with as well it can't just be in other uh it's it shouldn't just be you know that you know what I mean? It just shouldn't be other production companies. It should be a big company like Disney who's like, yeah, yeah, that's right. We're embracing interracial couples because this is what we see in our parks all the time. We see interracial families all the time. Yeah, and like one of the posts that I saw, so one of my favorite Disney Instagram accounts is um, oh, what Follow a fun the name. Yellow Brick Girl that um, she she's fabulous and 
that for Dapper Day, which is a once a year like fan event at Disneyland where people kind of dress in vintage or vintage inspired clothing and do Disney bounds and all of that, her and her husband, um, she's black and her husband's white, that they Disney bounded this year as Jim Deere and Darling inspired by outfits from this movie that came out this past week since they saw some of the costume preview at D23 basically because this is one of like the first couples depicted in a Disney movie of something they both love so much and have such passion for that and so this is one of the first times a couple that looks like them is in one of the Disney properties of something they love so much and it's just everyone deserves to have like they're like the world around them represent represented and since Disney there's in no time soon is still going to be one one of if not the biggest purveyor of media in regards to film and television today that a large chunk of that responsibility of representation and how like mass media people see themselves a lot of that does fall on Disney oh, and everything now, since they are such a huge chunk of what what's out there currently and so but beyond that as far as like aside from like the representation which is super important that as far as that it needs to be like ethical representation but also just that it's depicted well and in like a quality work and like the couple's dynamic oh i thought they were so well suited to each other both of the actors were they that they had good chemistry together and that it was just like sweet and romantic and i I thought they were just oh that the casting was perfect they were so so cute and it just took me it took me a little while um to figure out where i'd seen him before and it was in me and earl and the dying girl which is a fantastic movie and then i just i couldn't figure out where i'd seen her before and she was in this movie called hearts beat loud oh my god one of the best indies that yeah it's with nick offerman and it is hands down one of the best indie movies that literally like five people have seen and it's so good and she sings in that movie too because she sings a lit she sings like two lullabies in this and that's kind of it Mm -hmm. um but she sings a lot in that movie and now i feel better knowing where she's from (laughs) now i feel much better because they were so sweet and i love their little family and as far as a kind of like updating as far is that there's a bit of like the uh, adopt yes. of it of because as we've established we're, super, we're both super bad dogs that and so really this was just it was fun and wholesome and delightful and as far is if they if they kind of treat like the like remakes like this of with like that kind of care into like future like remade properties that this makes me more right. excited about things to come and one thing i do love about it is as far as even though this was like direct to streaming that it was still gorgeous oh, right. as far as a film like the cinematography on it is fabulous as far as the visuals because like we were saying the animation was so stunning of kind of that norman rockwell turn of the century like picturesque kind of look that they really translated that to live action and just made it so rich and colorful and like we were saying as far as kind of bringing in like people of color and a more diverse cast and all of that you can still have that while still kind of having that like warm nostalgia for that turn of the century time and that it does kind of have that main street usa feel to it but that still was just kind of like a fresher take but that some of like the on location stuff and like usage of lighting and all of that made it also just like just because 
overall like the themes and stuff the dogs were cute the songs are great all of that it was still just a very well executed I agree. film as well i agree i thought it was just <sighs> that even though it went just a streaming it could have pulled off a like right and i think release. that's what like something that they need to take into consideration for the cinematic releases you know because this was so beautiful and it was sent and it was straight to streaming and I think if you were to do more I mean they're gonna live action remakes in in theaters I think they should take a page out of this book and I think too as far as this kind of level of as far as in the Disney canon or in the vault, if you will, of that level of movie where it's well known but doesn't have like huge like the Lion King, to it, right? Like something Lion King big, yeah. So like if they do a Bambi or something like that in the future, that's more of the type that I think can do mm-hmm. well with this type of treatment. That you can do something new with it and kind of take liberties and make it fresh and new for a new generation because this especially the ones that are like older than the renaissance you're talking multiple generations removed from like yeah 1955 years and so yeah so this is as far as this came out like pre my parents so it's more of like my grandparents would have seen yeah. it in theaters theoretically that type of thing and so that's more i think the era that i think is a like better well to draw from for the time being instead of try not to bleed the disney please stop because i mean only a couple left But I also Honestly, when we were talking about it but earlier, all I could think about was I need Danny DeVito as a real life satyr. I need it because if there's no Danny DeVito, then I don't want it. Because who else is going to play that role other than Danny DeVito? No one. That's who. It doesn't make sense. Although. My fan cast pitch. I still want John. Mulaney oh my god! But Hades. how perfect would that be? <laughs> and basically, those are mm, the yeah. only two white people in the movie. Because as far as the muses that are just too great, and I fan casted Jasmine Cephas Jones from Hamilton as Megara in my heart. And when they recently did a stage production of, um. Hercules they did like a one night only event this past summer that they cast Jelani Aladdin who played Kristoff originally on Broadway as um, Hercules and so I think here like a similar unknown type to kind of bring in for that role yeah. is I think the best option there and then get the most fabulous people oh yeah as the muses and one of them needs to be 150% also. I'm just saying maybe but Queen Latifah I'm, I'm sure we, we will see it soon enough that, and we'll see how, the problem is my fan cast is too perfect that when it you get upset doesn't happen, <laughs> that a part of me will be sad, but I'm keeping my expectations in a realistic place. Gotta have Phil as, as I mean, Dan DeVito has to be Phil. There's no, no, I don't want it if it's not Danny DeVito. And I feel like that's a general consensus online. Yeah, I mean he was perfect. He was perfect. He was. And he still obviously has good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean he's still. I mean I don't see if he still (laughs) write the right check. And I mean other than you know he's just hanging out doing it's always sunny in Philadelphia so. And those H and R commercials. So whatever you gotta do to cut a check, okay? That's all I'm saying. You gotta. You know what I'm saying? And he does. 
I mean, I love Danny DeVito for all of the voiceover work that he does. So I would hope that he understands how deeply everyone is attached to him as Phil. Because I, the one thing I do respect is for is with the Lion King remake is they didn't even try to find someone else for Mufasa. There would have been no one going to that movie if you had not cast. No. There would have been rioting in the streets. Like, if you think the Sonic thing was in uproar. I mean, if James James Earl jo- Jones is alive and well still, okay, you cannot... No. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. No. I, I can't even finish my sentence because there is no recasting. It, I, it, it is. It's blasphemous to even consider recasting Mufasa when James Earl Jones alive and well because that is one of the most iconic voices in characters because who doesn't absolutely recall how devastated they felt the first time that Mufasa died in front of you I I I still cried when I watched it this week you can't sit there and say anyone is capable of doing that voice. I, there's no one, truly. Well, I think we've rabbit trailed enough that. Do you have any any final thoughts on? I thought Lady you know it was just it was so sweet, and I wanted at least half of those houses in that movie. Um, I thought Tessa Thompson was. I want the houses. I, know, I, I want, want all the dog. of it. I was really proud of Disney for finally putting an interracial couple in there. Which, again, like I said, it has to be something that is a big production company like Disney to say this is normal. This is this is should shouldn't even be a question. In quote unquote yes, wholesome this family there. It's not. It's, it's not normal. Edgy. This is the norm. Interracial couples are the norm. Look at this cute little family and their dog. Oh, the baby, oh, and the baby was so baby cute. Was and I mean, because I feel this way normally, I'm so glad that they basically said adopt, don't shop. I loved that. Because I adopted my dog from a humane society. I love him. I'm so happy. I think everyone should adopt and not shop. And so I'm glad at the end that they were like, hey, no, you can't take this dog to the pound. This is our dog. He stays. He has a home. Oh my God. When she said he has a home, I literally started crying. Like, was not stable at all. So I'm really glad. I thought it was fun. I thought it was cute. I thought it was very emotional. I was really glad for the interracial couple. And I was really glad at the end that they were basically like, adopt a dog. Come on. Go out there. Fine. Because, and especially when Peg and Bull, they got adopted. And they're like, it turns out we are adoptable. No dog should ever feel like they are not adoptable. It's true. And... You know, I I like how you just like describing the film as like sweet that it's hard to remember the last time of like seeing a movie that was just like wholesomely sweet oh, yeah. and delightful. That this is can't rec- like I can't recommend it enough that fun for the whole family and so if you have a Disney Plus subscription and if you're listening to this podcast that most likely you do if not y'all get on it like it's i mean too good of a deal to pass up but that i i highly recommend this movie and it's just sweet and uplifting and will brighten your day and so definitely recommend that next week we are going to get into the mandalorian of the first three episodes that because by then episode three will have come out mainly it's going to be a squealing about um spoiler warning baby yoda for about 50 to 60 minutes somewhere however long this episode ends up being but because oh my gosh 
He's like the cutest little thing. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited to really dive into, really dive into Baby Yoda. And all his preciousness. And so we'll kind of head into that next week. And so lastly, the thank you so much for listening to the Once Upon a Stream podcast. And you can find us now we are available on the Apple Podcast app. Finally, that approval process took forever, but we are now live. So you can listen to that and our pilot episode that aired last week. Also available on Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher as well. So um, we are on Twitter at, at Once Upon a Stream, or you can, easiest way to of our Instagrams. I'm, I'm at, at, at Miss Megan Mand. And so feel free to uh, track us down on there. And we're happy to answer Talk Disney Plus with y'all. And so thank you so much for listening. That also on various streaming platforms that wherever you listen, um, if you can drop in as far as any reviews, subscribe, that that whole situation that if you listen to podcasts you know the drill that we really appreciate your support and so thank you so much and bye y'all take care Bye. bye see you next week